Ah, yes. It has been a while since last time we talked shit through this channel, right? And it's because it has been months since last time we met here. It has been like three months the last time that the random guy went online. But this time I have a very good excuse. Um, or maybe not. They're just excuses, I guess. Uh, but you know what is this about? Priorities. Again. Yes, that is right. Priorities, my friend. My excuses are as bad as yours when you can't start exercising or the time that you can't finish reading that first book of Harry Potter since 2016 because you said that to yourself that you are too busy. But you know what? You know what? You want to know the truth? It's just a lame excuse. Because if one of your best friends call you one day to go eat and drink for free at your favorite place, suddenly you have the time. Or what about that time that the hot girl from the third floor at your office invited you to Netflix and chill? <laughs> uh, now you have the time, right? Mm. Yes, you know what I mean now. Anyway, I have to always say thank you to all of you, my beautiful people who have enough patience and time to listen to my podcast. To all of you, I love you guys. You know who you are. But don't be selfish. Bring more people to the party. I have enough love to share. <laughs> well, with so many random thoughts lately in my head, I have realized that you know all my thoughts can be put in maybe four main categories and there's no specific order or importance but number one is women or, or sex number two alcohol or, or beer in the majority of the times number three would be sports and number four is thing uh, technology and these days i wonder what the fuck are nfts have you heard about non-fungible token and if you ask me i think this is a scam you know you're just selling a like a gif for i don't know $45,000? That sounds weird. So let's start with the first one, shall we? The never-ending topic of Discord, and other than religion and being vegetarian. That is sexuality. Have you ever thought that humans, we don't have a mating season, just like animals? I have wondered, and I have wondered, if animals have mating seasons, why don't humans have? Or we do? I mean, somehow we are animals too, just we have uh, evolved differently, let's say. But I am sure you have been wondering that same thing, right? And, and in my case, when in doubt, what do you do? Well, I use the best knowledge of the 21st century. I asked someone who knows. So I went to my very good friends of houseofworks.com and this is what I found, and I'm quoting here. Listen, listen. Most animals have mating season, and it's usually a time when food, sunlight, and fertility are plentiful. But what about humans? We don't hibernate, and Netflix and chill doesn't count. And those with access to modern economies don't have to wait for seasonal resources to put food on the table. Humans don't have a true mating season simply because sex is had throughout the year, rather than saving it for a specific time says author and professional matchmaker Dominic Clark. People want to be together 
and desire connection most, so they seek relationship, but not because doing so during this season will produce offspring that can survive the harshest winter, but simply because their desire for intimacy and sex have increased. Mm, interesting. We're part of a biologically classified group known as continuous breeders, which means that we mate or breed year-round. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. Seasonal breeders like bears or, or chipmunks have changed in fertility and sexuality activity but depending on the time of the year. The females of these species experience an estrous cycle only during certain times. Yeah, that's hormonal. If conception doesn't take place, the endometrial lining in the uterus is reabsorbed. And wait, wait, guys, there's more information. Even with plenty of evidence to the contrary, the concept of mating season may still be in play for humans, although few people will recognize it, it as such. Among the nomadic Turkana in the northwest Kenya, more than half of all birds occur in spring, from March to June. It's a phenomenon experts attribute to the harsh environment when influx of food leads results in high conception rates. In addition to the nutritional peaks, humans' hidden mating season may also be influenced by factors as various environmental and social factors. According to a study published in the Journal of Reproductive Rhythms, when the sun shines for about 12 hours a day and the temperature stays between 50 and 17 degrees Fahrenheit, that is 10 to 21 degrees Celsius, women are more likely to ovulate and men tend to produce more sperm. Hmm, nice weather! And findings published in the Journal of Human Reproduction show that married-educated women aged between 25 to 34 in the Czech Republic have strong seasonal ties to reproduction, with most giving birth in the spring. Meanwhile, women in the study who were younger than 19 or older than 35 unmarried and with low education levels were more likely to give birth at no particular time of the year. Huh. Hmm. Well, okay. Are you confused? Well, basically, what they're trying to say here is that they're not 100% sure. But because evolution, humans, we have learned and choose to do things a little bit, a little bit more different than animals. And, and we don't really need that instinct that animals have. So, well, instead, we choose to have sex more often and because of many different reasons. And let me enlighten you with some of these reasons that I have found as per my investigations. And it goes like this. Why humans have sex? The person physically appearance turned me on. I wanted to achieve an orgasm. Groups, friends, pressure. I just wanted pure pleasure. I was horny. The person had a pretty face. Hmm. I wanted to improve my sexual skills. The opportunity presents itself. I wanted to try a different sexual position. I was curious how the other person was in bed. I was curious how the other person looked naked. I haven't had sex in really, really long time. The person really desires me. Hmm. I'm a sex addict. The person was uh, wearing revealing clothing. I need to have sex so I can focus on other things. I am a very busy person. The person was a good dancer. I want to please my partner. 
I was drunk. I have blue balls. It became a habit. I was bored. I wanted to get a promotion. Someone offered me money. Revenge. My partner is boring in bed, so I had to find someone else. Love. Social status. I was very angry. I just wanted to relax. I wanted to feel closer to God. I wanted to make someone jealous. I felt lonely. I wanted to reproduce. Friends acceptance. I got married. I want to feel connected with another person. I didn't know how to say no. Power. I want to decrease my partner's sexual desire so he doesn't look for someone else. I was forced. <laughs> That's not good. Rebellious. Manipulation. I needed a ride somewhere. <laughs> well, there's so many reasons to have sex. And luckily for you, uh, you don't need to wait for the next mating season and can have it uh, whenever you want. Technically speaking, of course. And a message to all the men here. Come on, guys. Be sophisticated. Don't be a douchebag. Don't be a piece of shit. If she say no, it's no. Well, unless there's like a role play game things, but no. And for women, eh, for women, I don't really know what to say. Maybe, maybe do what makes you happy and do it often. Hmm? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't use sex as a manipulation tool, okay? Thanks. This reminded me some old jokes about why a cold beer is better than a woman. <laughs> And this is a joke. Come on, people. Why people get offended so easily these days? I, you cannot even make a joke. And everybody just jump. I cancel the cancel culture. You know, it's like women can make jokes about guys having a small winner or, or, or balding, for example. And it's okay. They're like, oh, yeah, so funny. And people laugh. But if a man make a joke about women and beer, uh, he's an asshole. So I'm an asshole now. But anyway, did you know that there isn't a specific way and timing to pour a perfect Guinness now that we're talking about beer? Hmm? Beer brothers and broettes. I will educate you a little bit about this. Maybe you already know, maybe maybe you don't know. But if you don't know, now you know. So the story goes like this. One day I went to one of my favorite Irish pubs here and just because I like the place, no, no other reason. And it was my lucky day there because uh, Guinness pints were in promotion. And what better way to drink than drinking the beer who is in promotion, right? Plus, I just remember then a long, long time ago, I saw a show about, maybe it was Meatbusters or something like that. Maybe, I don't remember. So the people who knows say that a perfect pint of Guinness should be poured in 119.53 seconds. What's a purpose? And if not, then uh, you don't know what you're doing and 
you will not take advantage of all the Guinness experience with flavors and bubbles and blah, 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 blah. And I dare to say that you don't know that one of the distinctive aspects of this beer is that different than other beers, like regular beers, that have CO2, that is carbon dioxide, Guinness have nitrogen as well. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Anyhow, I was enjoying my second discounted price pint of Guinness, nice and cold. But I was still thinking on this crazy number, 119.53. So as soon as I got home, I asked, send Google, and I found an interesting article in Forbes magazine. It's quite old, uh, written by Susu Kundu. Sus, Sus Kundu. <laughs> Sorry, my pronunciation. And it seems like she knows a thing or two about this beer kind of thing. And she, she made the homework for us, so even better. And this is what she wrote. The brains behind Guinness claim that by following the instructions carefully, you are well on your way to a perfect pint of clear, dark stout topped with a white, dense, creamy foam. How do we get to this perfect pint, though? Bartenders all over the world are presented with the instructions below, and there are six steps. Step one is easy. Find a Guinness branded glass. This may be the most important step as the Harp logo actually serves as a guideline for many of the following steps. Step two says that the glass should be held at 45 degrees angle and the draft Guinness should be poured by pulling the tap forwards and aiming the flow at the inside of the glass where the Harp logo is. By pulling the tap forwards, the Guinness is being poured with some force. As it is forced out of the tap and on contact with the glass, the bubbles begin to form. By using the maximum force of the tap, the gases in the liquid are agitated and form bubbles, while the 45 degrees angle allows small bubbles to form, which give rise to a smoother and creamier head, rather than larger, glassier bubbles that could form from a more turbulent landing. Once the bottom of the harp has been reached by the incoming liquid, the bartender must then start to straighten the pine glass to upright by the time the liquid reaches the top of the harp of the harp. This takes longer than you think, owing to the need to take the glass through the whole 45 degrees angle to standing. This is when the real weight happens. The bartender places the still cloudy, not quite a full pint on the bar and waits for the bubbles to surge down the east side of the glass and up to the center to form the head. This settling step is reputed to take exactly 119 0.53 seconds, not 2 minutes, not 119 seconds, exactly 119.53 seconds. And we have more. During this time, any bubbles rise up, creating the two distinctive layers which offer more than just aesthetics. This final step is top up the pint, but having gone to all the trouble to form a light head, a head pressure top up will destroy the delicate bubbles. This is why bartenders are told to push the tap away from them in this second stage of pouring, as this halves the force of the flow, filling the glass to the top without destroying too many bubbles. While you may be forgiven for thinking that this science tutorial has come to an end, I am yet to cover the important business of drinking this simple that has probably taken a good 4 minutes to create. 
The reason that Guinness are so keen to craft the perfect pint is so that the consumer enjoys drinking it. In order to maximize your chances of this happening, the first sip must be taken horizontally. In order to consume the lighter head with its delicate flavors compound evaporating off, alongside a gulp of bittersweet malty drink. The two together create a perfect balance of flavors in the drink, which Guinness Arc you would not experience if a pint was poured without such attention to detail, owing to the creation of larger bubbles and a head that is either too large or too small. The key to the perfect look and therefore taste of Guinness seems to lie in the role that the bubbles play, but what if you don't have draft Guinness on tap? Are the bottles and can version as good? Ah, you see guys, I was asking myself question once, because I knew all this nonsense about specific timing of the Guinness, but what if I go to the supermarket, I go to 7-Eleven, I take it from the fridge, I go outside, I pop it up in the parking lot and I drink it. Hmm? Ah, but there, there you go. There is, as a matter of fact, there is some signs on those bottles. But I am not going to get into that, uh, into that topic because it's too much already, too much about beer. So what can I say basically about Guinness? If you're just this type of person that you just like to drink beer to get drunk and, and have some fun, then fuck it. You can just drink the Guinness in, you can serve it in 119 seconds or in three minutes and I think for us it will not matter. But if you want to feel sophisticated, yeah, then go ahead and bring a chronometer to the next Irish pub that you want to go and uh, check on the bartender. Maybe he knows. And you know what I did after reading this Guinness article and you know how to drink it and all these things? Well, I went to my terrace and I bring a bottle of beer, but it was not a Guinness because usually I don't have Guinness at home. I don't know why. I, I mean, I like Guinness, but I think it's maybe not my favorite. So I have all, all type of beers. So I have IPAs. Who, who doesn't love IPAs, for example? IPAs, maybe this beer that you can pair with anything that you eat. And as one of my friends from CrossFit says, like, because you can pair with almost anything, you can even pair with another IPA. <laughs> So anyway, I went to my terrace and I just sat there, took my my bottle of water. <laughs> yes, it has water. Took my bottle of uh, beer and I just put my feet on top of the table and I started looking at my shoes. And then I started to think like, you know, we, we all wear shoes. We go, we go everywhere, you know, with shoes. You know, we have different type of shoes for work, for training, for running, for, uh, for weddings. Or for, for go to the beach, we have all type of shoes. And then I start to, to think, these shoes have been gone almost everywhere. You know, I've been in four continents with these shoes. I mean, they're quite old shoes. And, and I, was, I was thinking about it. And has it gone through your mind what happened if you don't have shoes? That would be a, you know, a big problem. And, and maybe the people who listen to my podcast, uh, luckily for you guys and, and, and me as well, we don't have this problem of, not owning shoes shoes you just think about it what happened if you didn't have shoes you know your life would be a little bit limited at the beginning at least if you work on you walk on the streets there's there might be broken glasses or there's uh, little rocks 
or or there's like dog poo or, or all kind of stuff and or they, maybe it's cold and then you get cold in your feet or something and and you never think about that and in, as a matter of fact i have experience when i used to live in uh, in the beach in costa rica that if i go to the supermarket they don't allow me to enter without shoes so imagine what would you do if you have no shoes hmm. such an important part of your life and and you never think about it but that, that's a good thing that that we are lucky enough to have at least one pair of shoes in my case i have one more than necessary i have like 25 what the fuck but I, I can say that i use them all or at least i try to use them all because i have like training shoes for crossfit i have running shoes i have a uh, to go to work i have browns i have, I have blacks i have a you know for a suit and i have a white shoes i have blue shoes so do you need them all no but at least i have i am very happy that i have many shoes yeah i'm very lucky that i have shoes you know shoes are so tangible you know like you want to buy shoes you go and take shoes and then i was reading talking about technology about this nft stuff non-fungible token what the fuck is this uh, as i say i think it's that's a scam i don't know if you have if you guys have read the news or, or watch it on tv all this nonsense about nfts like one of these guys sold i mean i, I don't say this guy's nonsense but there's this guy that he do he's an animator or, or something he, he do drawings and then he put all the drawings that he has done in his lifetime as a professional and he made like a collage let's say and he managed to sell that collage in an electronic way and he made i don't know like 69 million dollars and then someone sold the gif by uh, who did this gif gif i don't know who did it but it was sold also for thousands of dollars and for me it doesn't make sense maybe it's because i don't understand it but let me tell you what is uh, nft as per wikipedia and it says a non-fungible token nft is a unit of data stored on a digital ledger call it a blockchain that certifies a digital asset to be unique and therefore not interchangeable nft can be used to represent items such as photos video audio other type of digital files files huh. access to any copy of the original file however is not restricted to the buyer of the nft while copies of these digital items are available for anyone to obtain nfts are tracked on blockchains to provide the owner with a proof of ownership that is separate from copyright Hmm. basically what they did is someone took something simple like a picture or, or like a yeah like an art picture of like a um, a piece of art like a sculpture something simple and they just made it complicated they just complicated things like making all these nfts and having to use blockchain technology and then with blockchain blockchain te technology then everybody gets crazy buying bitcoins and people don't even know what what, what to do with it and, and and yeah they just make something simple complicated and then in the meantime uh, they make 69 million dollars well very good for him so i guess uh, i guess i need to start doing some uh, nfts as well and because i haven't figured out how to make money with bitcoin or with nfts or whatever blockchain things that they are so i guess i need to go and uh, finish my 
Microsoft trainings and, and go to work because basically I'm recording this uh, during my lunchtime. <laughs> so, as always, thank you guys very much for listening and see you guys very soon. Thank <laughs> you.